I'm Neil Govia, uh, Director at CFA Institute, and today I'm in London at the Institute's 72nd Annual Conference. My guest today is Amanda Young. Amanda is Head of Global ESG Investment Research at Aberdeen Standard Investments. Amanda, thanks for coming along today and talking to us. It's a pleasure. Well, I think the subject of ESG fits so nicely into the conference theme of disruption. Mm -hmm. So my first question for you is, we have ESG, so we have environmental, mm -hmm. social and governance, governance. If you could, is it always possible to say one is more important than the other? So if you had a weighting scheme when you were doing your analysis, would one always dominate? That's a very good question. And uh, disruption, it's, so it is. Uh, 20 years in this industry and I found, finally found a job that's become popular. Well, I have to remind then. people that <laughs> I did this before it became trendy. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't bucket things into E, S, and G. Um, it's really holistically around how companies are managed. Um, ESG came out as an acronym from the PRI setting itself up over a do um, dozen years ago. Um, and yes, environmental, social, and governance is a nice way to look at it. But actually, it's around how companies manage themselves. So I look at it uh, broadly into two categories, the corporate governance. Yeah. So those, uh, those aspects of a company that are around who sits on the board, how the board's structured, how they govern themselves, and then the operational issues. So how do they manage their environmental impacts? What are the social risks that they faced? How are they managing those risks? Um, so for all companies, we need to have strong governance foundations. Right. So it's a, it's a standard across everything we do. But you have to tailor things depending on uh, which sectors your companies are operating in, where the company's operating, what the nature of their employee base is, if they're exposed to human rights issues. So you have to do a risk assessment, a bottom-up risk assessment of what companies are doing, where they're operating, and how they're operating. But fundamentally, all companies need to have strong governance structures right. okay. in order to deliver returns to shareholder. So is it possible for an oil company, you know, in this stage when we're talking about renewable energy, etc., so an old-fashioned oil company, is that company is it possible to have a good ESG score? Absolutely it is. Um, you would want companies to think about their operations in terms of current risks and long-term risks. Now, oil and gas companies face significant risks linked with climate change, wow. the changing nature of um, their operations, the changing demand for the resources that they are producing. So if you are a particularly dirty extractive company, maybe right. mining dirty coal, you're going to be facing some significant tailwinds when it comes to the demand for your products. But if you are operating in a manner where you're treating your, uh, your employees fairly, you're thinking about the long-term nature of your business, you have remedial processes in place to minimize the impact on the environment of your operations, and you have put together scenario planning about where your business will be in a two-degree scenario in five, 10, 15 years' time, that would give us assurance as investors that you are considering the, the significant risks that you are facing. So you don't just say oil company bad, wind farm company good, for example. Absolutely. It's, it's not as simple as that. No, I, I always um, couch it in terms of a hydro dam. So if you okay. go, oh, hydro dams, it's great, I can, I can see the good and the bad in that, yeah. Um, but if you've displaced 2,000 people from their homes yes. in order to build the dam, if you have significant health and safety issues linked to the dam and lots of fatalities, that's a very different uh, a concept as, well, one's clean and one's dirty. Okay. 
Now, I know that part of your responsibility is sort of making ESG investing more mainstream. Mm -hmm. So this isn't an appraisal, but <laughs> you know, is ESG becoming more mainstream now or is it still a bit of a niche and investment firms think they have to do something in it to show willing? Yeah. Where are we on that? Well, I think if you're an investment firm that hasn't even considered ESG, you are an outlier in today's uh, mechanism, right. uh, in today's investment market. However, there is a broad landscape between real greenwashing and marketing okay. and actually really embedding it in the investment process. So if you want these things to be taken into account, it needs to be owned by the people making the investment decisions themselves. So you need to have, yes, experts in climate change or experts in human rights, but actually the people making the decisions need to understand what those risks mean for their underlying investments. And I would say there is a broad range of um, how companies and investment firms are starting to consider ESG within their uh, processes. So from an investor's point of view, I think yes, you know, environmental concerns are good and the UN report came out and I'm worried for the planet and sustainability. Yeah. Do I have to sacrifice traditional returns to feel good? Or does ESG invest in actually, would it add value to my portfolio? Well, there, there, is a, there is a trend at the moment, um, not just thinking about ESG uh, issues in terms of risk and opportunity at a, at a company level, but there's a genuine belief that you can both make money um, and invest in a way that does something positive but for the environment. But you have to make less money if you decide to Not go this route. Not at all. Okay. Uh, you will look in mainstream portfolios and they will have exposure to wind farms and solar farms and pharmaceutical companies that are providing healthcare services. So we always uh, think of the world's problems um, in climate change, rising inequalities, so there's a, this gap between people who have and have not, and that's education, access to technology, access to healthcare, um, all those range of sort of social issues. And the third is unsustainable production yeah. consumption, and we are consuming at an unprecedented rate. So the risk that we run out of resources is increasing every single day. Companies who can then think cleverly about how they create services or products that solve those problems, because we're at such a crucial moment, could set um, themselves aside to be the winners of the future. Are there enough of those companies around? There are quite a lot of companies that are starting to think differently. Um, and I think with millennials coming through into business, they are often very entrepreneurial, want to do new things, but want to do something that is actually positive for the world as well as make money. Okay, so that makes me think of something. Who were the drivers of the ESG? So, you know, I can think of the big companies, and yep. so I'll go back a few years, etc. You just mentioned the newer companies driven mm -hmm. by millennials who have a, a different focus. Yeah. So is it the smaller companies, the startup companies, who are more into not just you know, the tag ESG, but actually into, you know, truly into the environmental concerns and the sustainability and the equality issues. Are they, is it coming from the smaller companies? Well, I think all uh, innovation initially starts from smaller companies, right. although some of the larger companies have a significant amount of money to invest in innovation. Um, and small companies can be disruptors um, and really change the marketplace. So yes, look out for small companies. But there are certainly some large companies that have some very interesting uh, research functions at the okay. moment that are looking to um, build electric cars, for instance. Yes, you've got Tesla, it's the sort of right. the great, uh, trendy, we can drive cars fast in a clean way. But if you look at all auto ma manufacturers, they realize that they have to 
think about how they innovate in their products. Because if we get to a society that is regulating against okay, yeah. oil and gas companies, you need to think about how are you going to survive the future. So I think both the, the, the smaller companies will be very, very innovative, but some of the larger companies um, have the ability to also put some research into developing new products. Um, you know, you mentioned sort of like, like electric cars, for example. So when these are being developed by the larger companies, are they thinking in terms of environment, right? Are they just sort of being pushed there through regulation? So are they, being, are, are they pushing the frontier mm -hmm. and saying, this is where we want to go? Yep. They're going, this is the way we have to go because, hey, they're outlawing diesel in the city yep. centers. So push or pull? Uh, I think a bit of both. Mm. Um, certainly the European car manufacturers have had a really tough time. Yeah. Uh, meeting EU regulation in terms of the emissions that have been allowed out of their vehicles. That has led obviously to some fairly iffy governance practices and, and some real hits for some investors uh, in the automotive sector. But the customers of the future are going to be thinking differently about what they want from their, their vehicles. So those companies that realize that actually they've got to be thinking about their future customer base, what they want, what they're looking for, um, should be doing it because it's the right thing to do for their business. Um, weeding, out, weeding out the goods <laughs> and the bads yeah. along this journey is always going to be a challenge. So, again, it's, it's sort of like a push-pull question in a way. So I'm a retail investor mm -hmm. or I'm the, an individual. So I like the idea of the electric car. You know, I can see the advantage that's going to bring everybody, including myself. When it comes to investing my money yeah. into my pension portfolio, is there a demand from retail investors to do good through their investments? So separate, I want an electric car, to I want to invest in you know, green companies or yeah. companies with a good ESG score. Is the demand coming from retail investors in that way? It is, and it's, uh, it is growing, but I would say it's slow. I think that is because we as an industry fail to remember that we're not here to represent, represent the trustees of big institutional pension funds. Ultimately, we are here to allow the likes of you and myself to retire when we get to retirement age. And very few and people- to have would, a planet to retire to. And to have a, a planet <laughs> yeah. to retire to. And what we're starting to see is a recognition from the retail investor that they can actually ask about what's happening within their pension funds. Um, the, the government in the UK is, a, is about to carry out a big survey of, um, of people to find out what they want from investors. And certainly when you ask the millennials and you ask women about what they want from investors, um, women tend to be far uh, more risk adverse. They think about the long term. They're more likely to choose a sustainability product. And in the same way, investors, uh, millennial investors, are just naturally starting to think about sustainability issues okay. as a norm. Um, so I think we'll see an increase in demand from the wholesale retail sector. But there is still, for most people, a real sense that investment isn't for them. Right. Without thinking, well, I have a pension fund yes. that is an investment. Um, there is a, a, a terrible perception that investment is just for people with money, rather than thinking about their retirement and their pensions as a potential investment. So, asset owners can influence investment managers. Absolutely. Investment managers can in turn influence the firms. Mm -hmm. And that influence, is it a case of investing and trying to affect change or is it a case of divesting and say until you change your habits or until you have a better business model we're not investing in you 
is it better to work with firms and try and make them become greener or is it a case yeah. of until you are, I'm out? In my view, you need to be an engaged active shareholder. Um, and if you don't like something a company is doing, you work with them to try and change that. Okay. If, however, those conversations just don't go anywhere, you need to be thinking about the long-term financial success of that company. And if some of the issues that you're talking about are their continued ability to return shareholder uh, um, money to shareholders, you need to think carefully about actually disinvesting from whatever investment. So in the, in the same way as you would normally do. We need to be engaged shareholders. We need to be good stewards of our underlying uh, owner's money. You know, the people on the street who are entrusting us to look after those assets for them, right. but also wanting us to be that voice on their behalf to encourage companies um, to take into account all of the various stakeholders that they affect, be it customers, be it the, um, the local communities in which they're operating, be it their employees. All of these things are, are very materially important to them. Um, so being engaged with companies, but having the ability to walk away when okay. you just feel that engagement isn't going anywhere is just as important. Okay, I think I've just got my last question for you because our time will run out. Okay. Are green bonds doing good things? Well, taking money and allocating it towards green investments is undoubtedly a good thing. Yes. Um, so. But there's no element of greenwashing in, in there, is well, there? Well, that's what I was just going to oh, come right. on. Okay. I think there is a range of green bonds, um, and certainly in the last 10 years, we've seen a growth in trying to raise standards up in right. order to be classified as green. So you've got green bond principles um, that can then be applied to your green bonds. Um, but a, a, a clean coal plant classified <laughs> as a green bond yeah. is quite a difficult thing to argue. Okay. So my advice, anyone going into something that classifies it itself as sustainable green, you need to still dig beneath that to find out actually what are the principles behind choosing those right. investments, okay. where is that money going, how are you auditing the progress against the standards that you have set uh, against whichever various pro right. uh, projects you have raised the money on Just like everything of. else then, do your research and see where the money's going Absolutely. and what it's actually doing. Yep. Well, Amanda, thanks ever so much for your time today. It's, it's been pleasure. great speaking to you. Uh, I said we're in the right place. Your moment has come. Uh, as you said at the beginning, uh, you are a disruptor. It's finally trendy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you ever so much Thank for your you. time. Thanks, Amanda. Copyright 2019, all rights reserved. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.